We've been going through this series called Grateful. Who's been enjoying this series? I thought uh, Nat just told you to be more responsive. Who's enjoying this series? <laughs> Otherwise, the, uh, the rest of you are not enjoying the series, perhaps. You're just being really honest with me. appreciate your candor, but I'd rather you just lie and say, yes, I, I'm enjoying the series, Dave. Uh, and uh, we're learning how this great statement, living grateful, makes life great and full. And uh, I don't know about you, but I, I've been just relearning. It's something we've got to keep coming back to in our lives. It's just being grateful for the little things, being grateful for the things that, that God does. Actually, we've got that uh, uh, quote there if you want to put it up. Uh, living, gr- living grateful makes life great and full. And, and I really believe that for us, if you want a full life, if you want a great life, if you want a life that is uh, overflowing, then and actually it's around our attitude. It's around the story we tell ourselves about how life is going. And it's a powerful concept when you get that. Because often we revert back to telling ourselves, oh, things are hard, things are tough, this is difficult. And, and rather than go, man, God, you've been so good to me. Wow, thank you so much for my family. Thank you for my beautiful wife, my kids. Thank you for this, this great church that I'm a part of, the city, that I, the job I have. There's so many things we can be grateful for. But we'll be talking a lot about individual gratefulness. And today I really want to talk something a bit bigger than that, because how many know you can have a me party by yourself and be grateful by yourself, but actually there's something powerful when we come together. And, and I really believe we need to learn the art of celebration. Come on. Come on. Put your hands up. Woo. But we need to learn the art of celebration. No, let's play it again. The art of celebration. And and it's something that actually is very, very biblical. It's very, very scriptural. And somewhere along the line, through the generations and and the centuries, the church has gotten very somber and very kind of conservative. And actually, the early church wasn't like that. In fact, even before that, the people of Israel weren't like that. They, they knew how to celebrate. And we're going we're gonna to go on a bit of a journey through the various celebrations. Not all of them, because there's a lot of them in the Old Testament. But we're going to learn how, actually, celebration is at the heart of who God is. If we put up our first scripture here, Jesus actually came, and, and we'll read it to you. This is a, an amazing passage. Uh, we jump right in. Uh, Jesus is quoting. He's, he's standing up in the... Uh, in the synagogue, and it's at the beginning of his ministry, and he's quoting the, the prophet Isaiah from Isaiah 61. He said, He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue was fastened on him. And he began by saying to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And then if Jesus had one of these, he would do this. And he'll drop it. I'm not going to drop it. Uh, but this is, this is Jesus' mic drop moment because he's really saying, right now, we're starting to celebrate. Right now, because the key is in that verse 19, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. If you go back and you look at it um, in, in Isaiah, he's, that's what, it refers to the year of Jubilee. Now, I don't know if you know much about uh, how the Israelites work, but every 50 years, 
Actually, we've got a scripture around this. Leviticus 25 says, Consecrate the 50th year and proclaim liberty throughout the land to all its inhabitants. It should be a jubilee for you. Each of you is to return to your family, property, and to your own clan. The 50th year shall be a jubilee for you. Don't sow, don't reap. Um, for it's a jubilee and it's to be holy to you. Eat only what is taken directly from the field. So basically every 50 years, the people of Israel would stop and they would have a year of celebration. That is crazy. And during that year, they would, they would renew everything. So if, 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 say I sold a property to, to Matt 20 years ago, Matt would have to give it back to me. No, not so sweet, Ellie. <laughs> Man would have to give it back to me. So, so it made a really egalitarian, fair society because the rich couldn't get really, really rich and the poor get really poor because every 50 years, the, the, the field was leveled again. So it's actually a, a really smart thing to do. But, but beyond that, it was a time of celebrating. It was a time of stopping and going, you know what? Everything we have is from God. And as a nation, we rely on God because if we start working harder and growing and, and doing this stuff, then we start to think it's about us. And so the year of Jubilee was actually about going, no, hang on, hang on. We celebrate this year, and we don't, we don't sow, we don't reap, we don't work. We, we acknowledge God. And so that's the context that Jesus is coming, and he's saying, this is the year, this is the time of celebration. This is the year of Jubilee. And, and, and it's an incredible statement to make, because what he's essentially saying is from now on, we're in a new season. From now on, everything's different. Because it wasn't just that year, it was on into the rest of eternity as we're in a season of celebration. Because as, as he quoted in, in, uh, from Isaiah, you know, the lost will be found. Those who are, who, who, who are blind will see. There, there, there's something that, I don't know about you, but if, if, you, if you were blind and you saw, you would be celebrating. If all your debts were wiped, you'd be celebrating. Amen? Come on, your mortgage is gone. You'll be celebrating. Come on, there's a sense that Jesus is saying, all this amazing stuff is happening, and now we live in celebration. And so actually, what we're going to do in this sermon is we're going to start big, and we're going to work our way down. When Jesus came, he said, we're in a season. You're in a an epoch, a millennia. You're in an age of celebration because I have come and I've sent my Holy Spirit. I'm sending my Holy Spirit and you're going to live in that, in that place of celebration. So that's our starting point. We're actually, we're called to be a people who celebrate because we live in the time of Jubilee. That, that, that word Jubilee uh, comes from the word meaning trumpet or cornet. And, and it means also, the root word means to, to, to overflow abundantly. So there's a sense that we now live in the abundance that Jesus has bought for us. Is anybody excited about that? We live in the age of abundance and blessing and celebration that Jesus has given us. The trouble is that we're forgetful people, aren't we? The trouble is that often we forget how much we've been given. And so what God stipulated for the Israelites was that actually you need to be reminded you actually need to come to me fairly frequently and be reminded. So three times a year, they all gathered to celebrate. So we start, we're in a celebration, and then we're going a bit, a bit smaller. And if you put it up there, Deuteronomy 16, 16 says, Three times a year, all your men must appear before the Lord, your God, at the place he will choose, at the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the Feast of Weeks, and the Feast of Tabernacles. 
You can check the, check, check the next one up there. Uh, it basically says, says the same thing. They change around the names of the festivals a little bit. Um, but basically, there's a there's there's next slide. There's three seven day periods, three one week celebrations that every year the Israelites would drop tools and go to Jerusalem and celebrate. That's crazy. That's that's awesome because. I mean, how, how many you know? Just enforced holidays. That's good. We don't. We we've kind of lost that. We have like Easter, where we get two days off either side of a weekend, so it's four. But we never have like a seven-day festival where we just you know gather together. And it, and it was a, it was serious stuff. If you go to um, Deuteronomy, the next one, sixteen. It says, this is just one of the festivals. It says, celebrate the feast of tabernacles for seven days after you've gathered the produce of your threshing floor and your wine press. Be joyful at your feast, you, your sons and daughters, your men servants, your maid servants, the Levites, the aliens, the fatherless, not, not green aliens, the uh, random people on the land, the, faithless, the fatherless and the widows, everybody who lives in your towns. For seven days, celebrate the feast to the Lord your God at the place the Lord will choose. For the Lord your God will bless you in all your harvest and in all the work of your hands, and your joy will be complete. How cool is that? Your joy will be complete. And the Lord, see, I think God's kind of putting a little promise in. He says, the Lord your God will will bless you in all your harvest. Because how many of you know that at harvest time, you don't want to be walking off for seven days. That's that's plus the the, the time it takes you to get to Jerusalem. And you know, you just didn't fly into Jerusalem in those days. They might have to walk for several days. So possibly it's, I don't know, 10, 12, 14 days at harvest time. Well, what, who does the harvest? How does that work? God is reassuring them. He's saying, no, no, don't worry. If you put me first, I'll honor you. Your harvest will be fine. And, and there's, a, there's a principle here that it's all about trust in God. Actually, so many things that, that, that the Bible tells us, it's just testing our trust. Tithes is about trusting God. And, and this is one of those things. And you go, well, that's all very well, Dave, for the Israelites. Um, but what about us? Oh, oh, there's another one there. It, uh, you can skip over the next slide. It just says, you put it up there, it basically outlines how they celebrate it. And they're, they're pretty hard out. They're like, on the, on the first day you do this, on the second day, you, and, and every day that you're bringing more sacrifices and you're doing more stuff, and it's, and it's all like lined out. It's a, it's a full-on festival. But, and you could, you could ask yourself, well, um, what does that have to do with, you know, 21st century New Zealand? How do we celebrate these festivals? Well, two weeks ago, we had this amazing thing called Shout. And if you were at Shout, you know that that was a celebration. That was a, a, a big festival. And, 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 and actually, it's a very biblical thing. Like we just think, oh, conferences, oh, they're just things you go to to, to get a bit encouraged in your faith. But actually, they're a very scriptural thing to do. They're actually a, a very important part of our life as a church because when we come together, there's, there's something that happens. When we're in a bigger space where the whole heap of people all worshiping and praising God, something shifts in us and we come back. Are you asking anybody who went to shout? You come back with faith. You come back changed. You come back encouraged and blessed. And, and, and so, so every year we make sure, Mayor and I make sure we get to shout. And that's hard with four kids, especially hard for Mayor when 
uh, I go a day early, and she has to take all four kids by herself. Uh, salute you, Maya. Uh, but the, and there's a cost financially, you know, getting a family of six to Auckland and having accommodation and eating and, and getting back. There is a cost to it, just like there was a cost for the Israelites. There is, there is a, always a cost involved in celebrating. But I tell you what, something, it does something in us that I, I wouldn't, you, you can't quantify, I wouldn't change for the world. And, and, and getting my kids into that environment, I love them coming back from that space. And they were so, they want to go again next week. They, they, they're just so pumped. They love it. And we've booked our tickets for next year. And I, can I encourage you, you know, these kind of environments, they're actually powerful. They're a chance to celebrate. They're not just a, a nice idea. They're a very scriptural idea. Because God knows that we forget. And, and, and essentially what you're saying is, well, my holidays are not my own. Because we like to protect our holidays. Like, oh, my holidays are mine. And I do my holidays what I want to do. But how many of you know when you gather together, something shifts? And it, it's a matter of trust as well. Can I, can I trust God with my holidays? Will I come back invigorated and refreshed? Will it be a good thing for me? Or will it be a hard thing? I'll tell you what, it's always good. Sometimes it's hard getting there, <laughs> but it's always good. So I encourage you, get along to Shout Conference or another big conference. Uh, yeah, just make it happen. Step out in faith and you'll see something, something shift in your life. It really will. So that's, we're starting big, like I said. We're starting with a big celebration. Then we go down to the next smaller one. Uh, oh, actually, oh yeah, there's, a, there's, a, there's another passage there you could chuck up. Exodus 34, 21. Um, yeah. No, Exodus 28, yes. The Sabbath, the Shabbat, uh, Sunday, if you like. This is when we gather together. You're here today, so I'm preaching to the choir, I realize. But, uh, but there's a sense that that actually, this is a very important biblical thing that we do. It's in the Ten Commandments. And often we, we like to kind of pick and choose the Ten Commandments a little bit. Like we're pretty strong on don't murder, don't commit adultery, don't steal. Yep, we're good on those. And then it comes to the Sabbath, we're like, oh, well, oh I'm not about the law, I'm under grace. Uh, and, and, and while we are under grace... Jesus didn't come to do away with the law. He came to fulfill it. And there's actually a very real sense that when we obey the law, our lives are bigger and greater and, and it's better for us. Because, you know, it, it can cost something. Just like getting to a big conference can cost you. I know that getting along to church on a Sunday can cost you as well. There's, there's, there's no doubt. Um, but, but just think for a moment back to the Israelites. If you put up the next slide in Exodus 34, 21. Six days you shall labor, but on the seventh day you shall rest. Even during the plowing season and harvest, you must rest. So even during, Israelites, even during your busy time, even when you've got to get that fruit off the vine, you've got to get uh, those, those sheaves in or the rot no, you take a day off. Because when you do that, it reminds you of the Lord of the harvest. The one who actually gave you the ability to do that. 
it's, again, it's, it's about how much do you trust God? Do you trust God enough to not work on a Sunday? Do you trust God enough not to, to, to prioritize other things on a Sunday? Now, I, I know that, you know, the world doesn't recognize this. And I know that, that sometimes it's, it, it's hard. But I tell you what, when we put God first in this way, He honors us. I remember as a student, uh, in my final year physiotherapy, I, I had practical exams, and they're always on a Monday. And the first couple, I, I, I studied on a Monday, and, and I did okay, I passed. But then I was like, God, God convicted me. He said, no, no, I want you to keep my Sabbath. And I was like, but God, you realize my exam's on Monday, and I actually need all Sunday to study. Uh, he's like, yeah, I'm well aware of that. Uh, I'm omnipotent. Uh, omnipresent, all-knowing. Uh, and uh, so I was like, okay, I'll trust you, God. I'll tell you what. The two that I did that, I got A pluses. I got better marks than the ones when I studied on the Sunday. And I was like, oh, how does this work? This shouldn't work like this. But you see, when you put God first, good things happen. The principle behind it, of course, is that God created the earth day by day. And at the end of each day, he, he looked back and he said, it's good. And then at the end of six days... When he's all done, he looks back and he goes, yeah, it's very good. And at that point, he has a rest. At that point, God has a rest. God has a rest. If God needs a rest, what makes you think you don't need to? What makes you bigger than God that you think, actually, no, I don't need to rest. I've, I've got this. God needed to rest. And, and I think the way God rested is, is really important because he, he looked back at what he had done. He took some time to reflect. It's kind of like, and you'll excuse me this analogy, he's just been mowing the lawns for several hours in the hot, hot tamaru sun in summer, and he's just finished, and he's gone up, and he's got a cold beer, and he's cracked it open, and he's sat down, and he's looked out over his work, and he's gone, man, yeah, that's good. That's very good. And there's actually, there's a biblical principle here that when we stop and we look back and we go, wow, look what God has done. Look what he's done in my life. Look at the change that has happened. That creates a grateful heart in us. There's a sense that if we just keep working and working and working and working and we never take time to reflect and to stop and to celebrate, we become very dull people. All work, no play. Thanks, Johnny, a dull boy. And I think there's a, there's a truth that if we just stop, we pause, and we celebrate what God has done, it, it'll realigns our perspective to a godly one. Because there's two, there's two parts to it, actually. There's, there's rest and there's celebration. Now, for me, a, a Sunday is actually kind of like a work day. Because uh, while you're sitting back there just chilling, I'm working hard. <laughs> yeah, come on. <laughs> yeah, sorry. No, no. <laughs> I love it. I love it. It's not work at all. But, but I know that actually I need to take some time out to rest. And so I often, Saturday, I'm working hard at making that a Sabbath day. So don't ask me to come and mow your lawns on Saturday because I won't. No, uh, I, I'm, tr I'm working hard. There's that sense that we need to rest. But there's also a sense that it's a celebration. Exodus 31, 16 says, The Israelites are to observe the Sabbath, celebrating it for the generations to come as a lasting covenant. We celebrate 
That's why we have loud music, why we, why we jump up and down, why we get excited, because it's a celebration. Don't play the song again. There's a, it's a celebration. And, and we need to, I think in the West, we've kind of lost that. Uh, we, we, we're very outcome focused. We're all about, you know, getting things done. And church can even become like that. Oh, yeah, you know, I've got, we've got the things set up, and we've got the band, we've got, and we take all the boxes, and we forget, actually, hey, we've got to stop. We've got to reflect. We've got to celebrate what God is doing. Deuteronomy 12, 7, uh, this is when, when God is, is telling the Israelites how they had to go into the promised land. He says, There in the presence of the Lord your God, you and your family shall eat and shall rejoice in everything you have put your hand to because the Lord your God has blessed you. There's a sense we just need to rejoice. And that is actually what the Sabbath is about. It's a celebration. And if you find coming to church a chore, then something has to shift. Either you. (laughs) I'm not trying to drive you out of of my church. Hear me. Preferably something in your heart needs to shift. Okay? Because I'd love you to stay. But, you know, something has to change. We need to realize, actually, coming to church is a joy. Because I get to meet with my friends and my family and celebrate what God has done in our midst. So we've got the big celebration for a week. We've got Shabbat or the, the, the Sabbath. And then bringing it even smaller, we've got like smaller gatherings. We call them e-groups. Uh, the early church says this about it in Acts 2, 46 and 7. Every day they continue to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. And ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So the early church met together, excuse me, in one another's homes. Again, it's a very biblical thing to do. What we do when we go to to each other's homes during the week in e-groups, we come together and we celebrate. That's why we always start in our guys' e-group, we talk about our testimonies, what God has been doing. We're celebrating what God is doing in our lives. I hope you do that in your e-groups too, just celebrating what God is doing. We come together with glad and sincere hearts. I think we need to, to do that in our e-groups. And I encourage you, if you're not part of an e-group, join one because that's where you'll, you'll, you'll learn to celebrate alongside one another, have that connection. But also in our families, in our smaller gatherings, we need to learn to celebrate. You don't have to have much of an excuse, actually. We celebrate half birthdays in our family. It's really just a reason to have cake. Okay? I made no apology. It's just an excuse for me to make us a cake. Um, but it's great. Our girls love it. And, and generally, what happens is that the cake gets whipped out, and we start singing happy birthday, and they're all looking at each other. Because they, they know when their birthday is, but they have no idea when their half birthday is. So they're like, who's it for? Who's it for? Is it me? Is it my half birthday? And they're trying to do the calculations in their head. By the time we sung the song, it's in front of one of them. And then they realize. Uh, but I reckon we just need to learn to celebrate more. Just have fun and it, with our friends and our family. Celebrate, you know, achievements in life. But just celebrate living together. The good things that God has done in your life. Just even the act of saying grace before a meal is, a, is essentially a celebration. It's saying, wow, thank you, God, for this amazing food that I get to eat. 
please bless it so I don't get sick or no. Uh, I'm sure that doesn't happen in your house. It doesn't happen in ours. But so there's a, there's a real sense that, that, that we need to come together in smaller groups and learn to celebrate. But then we go smaller again. It's like the me party. Anybody seen the Muppets movie? Uh, no? Okay. <laughs> One person waving up there. Uh, Miss Piggy sings a song with Amy Adams. It's called The Me Party. It's a Mardi Gras for moi, as uh, Miss Piggy says. And it's all about just celebrating by yourself. Now, you don't have to take a whole night out. You don't have to dress up. You don't have to sort of dance away. But I think it's important that actually we rejoice by ourselves. We take time to celebrate the good things God has done. 1 Thessalonians 5.16 says, rejoice always. It's a very short verse. That's all it says. Rejoice always. But it, it kind of sums it up nicely, I think. Rejoice always. There's always something we can be thankful for, something we can be grateful to God for. And we need to learn the art of, of just having those micro pauses during the day and going, wow, thank you, God. Thank you, God, for my, my beautiful daughter. Thank you that I get to help people in this job. Thank you that I have a car that I can drive to work in. Thank you that for all the abundant things. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your grace in my life. Ephesians 5.20 says, Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we've covered the whole gamut. We've got like from Jubilee through to the big festivals, through to Sunday, through to e-groups, through to our own just personal me parties. We need to learn the art of celebration. And I want to just give you three um, oh, actually, if you just want to um, chuck the next slide up, this is, this is kind of a, a, a graphic, if you like, if you like tables. Um, this is how relationships kind of work. Um, so this is Jesus. Jesus had kind of like, um, his, he was tight with John, then he had the three, and then he had the 12, so that's your e-group. And then he had like the congregation, that's us, the community. And then over above the, the masses, and that's where you experience ecstasy, <laughs> not the drug. That's where you experience like, the, over, the overarching joy of, wow, I'm part of something. This is amazing. Yeah. And so it's actually, we need to have celebrations at all these levels. You know, we need to actually, yeah, you get it. Cool. So, so some keys. Some keys. I've got three keys for you. And you'll be going, oh, good, that's good. He's only got three. Um, three keys to, to, to the art of celebration. The first one is be in the room. But just be in the room. Like we live in that generation that you can go to church, you can go to shouts, you can go pretty much anywhere to a rock concert from the comfort of your living room couch, can't you? You can just watch it on YouTube or whatever you use. You can live stream it. But I tell you, it is nowhere near the same as being in the room. And that is for, for three reasons. Firstly, if we're to celebrate well, there's always got to be a cost involved. Now, you could say, oh, my Wi-Fi data, that's my cost. No, that's not a cost. <laughs> Actually, when we go to a, a, a big celebration, you know, there's a cost involved in getting up to, to Auckland. There's a cost involved for us as a, as a family, but the benefit far outweighs the cost. And I tell you what, when you sacrifice, the Israelites never came to Jerusalem, to any of their festivals without a sacrifice. 
they knew if they rocked up with nothing that people would be like, well, you, what do you, what do you, they wouldn't be allowed in. You know, you, they always came with an offering. They always, but th- they made sure they were in the room. They made sure they were there. They couldn't just send someone else on their behalf. They made sure they got in the room. And uh, yeah, there is a cost, but I think actually that cost is a part of what makes it powerful for you. There's something that unlocks when, oh man, I've made an effort to be here, and therefore I better get something out of it, because <laughs> I paid all that money to be here. You know, if there's a cost involved, we're, we're more likely to take it seriously. So, so, so being in the room uh, is important because there's a cost involved. Second thing about being in the room is that you just, you just experience it. In a, in a whole other way. There's the, there's the smells, there's the s- sounds, there's the lights, there's the, but there's also the camaraderie. There's doing it alongside someone. There's a connection that is there when you are rubbing shoulders and celebrating with someone. You can't have that in your living room unless you invite everybody there. <laughs> but, you know, you've got to be in the room with other people to have that connection. And the third one reason is it's the Holy Spirit. Yeah, now God is on the, uh, he, he's everywhere, he's omnipresent, but, but actually when you're in a space with God, there's something significant that happens when the Holy Spirit moves there that you'll just miss if you're watching it on a screen. There's something you can tangibly feel when God's presence is touching lives. And you can't replicate that any other way than being in the room. So at all those levels, at, at the big festival, at church on a Sunday, at e-group, at, at, you've got to be in the room. You've got to be in the room to experience that celebration. The second thing is, second key behind being in the room is, is don't come empty-handed. I kind of touched on this before. The, the Israelites always came with a gift. Uh, if you look, Deuteronomy 16 16, 17. Three times a year, all your men must appear before the Lord and get it. In verse, oh yeah, and there it says, no one should appear before the Lord empty-handed. Each of you must bring a gift in proportion to the way the Lord, your God, has blessed you. So if he's blessed you heaps, bring a lot. If you only feel like he's blessed you a little bit, that's okay, just bring a little, but bring something. Don't come empty-handed. You wouldn't rock up to someone's house who's invited you to a party empty-handed, or you shouldn't. If you would, you need to change. Even if you're a student, it's okay. Bring a pack of pickies. I don't know. But, but you wouldn't just work. But it's the same. Ta-da, ta-da, ta-da. There's, there's, some, there's some students going, oh, I should have brought something the other day to Richie's house. Uh, no, no, I'm sure they did. <laughs> oh, yeah, they did, they did. Uh, <laughs> but we wouldn't rock up to that situation empty-handed. So, no, you know, when we go to Shout Conference, we know, yeah, we pay the the the, the the registration fee, but we know we're going to be giving, giving an offering. And so we know that it's going to cost us far more than the registration fee. There's just a given. We're, we're bringing something to that space. When you come to church, bring your tithes, bring your offerings. Come with, beyond that, bring an expectation. Bring an expectation that God's going to move in this place. But let's always be bringing something to the party. Because how many of you know, you, if, you're not, if, if you just come and you just sit, you're not contributing. You're like, if there's a flowing river, you're like a rock in the river, and everybody has to move around you. But if you come with an expectation, you come with a heart, I'm going to celebrate. I'm going to bring the party in this place. And how many of you know you're going to encourage those around you, and you're going to bring it? And the front row gets this, and I'm wondering if the rest of you are getting it as well. Are you? Are you? Are you? Yeah. Yeah. 
But we need, to, we need to come with an expectation. We need to bring something to the party. Nobody likes people who come to your party and just stand on the wall and are just really awkward. Who likes those people at your party? No. And you're like, especially if you're hosting the party, like, oh, come on. And you're going to try and draw them out, introduce them to someone else, uh, and make it less awkward. But, you know, you want people to come to your party who are there, and they're at the party, and they're entering into the party, and they're making the party for you. That's what you want. You want Ellie at your party, making the party happen. Come on. <laughs> so, so that's my second point is that don't come empty-handed. And the third, the third thing, when, we, when we're thinking celebration, is that we're going to bring the joy. Celebration is, it's, a, it's interesting. It's a discipline, which makes it seem hard, but it's actually a joy to do it. Here we go in 2 Chronicles 30, 21. The Israelites who were present in Jerusalem celebrated the Feast of Unleavened Bread for seven days with great rejoicing, while the Levites and priests sang to the Lord every day, accompanied by the Lord's instruments of praise. See, they celebrated. Uh, 2 Chronicles 30, 23 and 24. Uh, the whole assembly then agreed to celebrate the festival seven more days. So we've got this crazy thing. They have a seven-day festival. And they're like, oh, the party wasn't long enough. Come on. I've, I've still got some party in me. And so they have another whole seven days. Party. It, it, it's true. I'm not making this up. For another seven days, they celebrated joyfully. Hezekiah, king of Judah, provided a thousand bulls. That's a ridiculous number. Seven thousand sheep and goats for the assembly. And a whole lot of other animals. They just, they partied hard for another seven days. That's so cool. We need to learn to bring the joy to church. So that when church finishes, we're like, one more song, one more song, one more. Come on. At the, end of, at the end of Shout Festival, it happens every time. The youth are down the front chanting, one more song, and they've just done three extra songs, and they still want to party. Come on, we need to bring the joy. We need to bring the joy. And, and the, the funny thing is that as a Christian, we think we will live a good and right life if we're disciplined. And yes, you're right. You need to be disciplined in reading your Bible, and you need to be disciplined in, in, in praying and meeting with one another and, and doing those things. But actually, we need to be disciplined in celebrating. We need to be disciplined in, in bringing the joy because joy brings us strength. Nehemiah 8.10 says, The joy of the Lord is your strength. We think our strength comes from knowing the Bible well or praying really hard or doing uh, good works for God. No, actually, our strength is in our joy. When we are joyful, we are strong. If the flip side is, uh, of that is that if you're feeling weak in your faith, possibly you need some to release some joy into that space. Because the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord, it's not, a manufactured happiness. It's the joy of knowing God and your life. It's the joy of knowing what He's done for you, of His saving grace and the change that He has made. It's the joy of walking with Him daily by the power of His Holy Spirit. That joy in you will make you strong. 
I don't know about you, but I want to be a strong person. I want to live a strong life. And I know that to do that, I need to take time to celebrate. I need the joy of the Lord in my life. Can I invite the, the band to come up? I hope I've, I've provoked something. This is our final in our series on, on, on Grateful. And I hope that you have you've started to realize that actually, yeah, this gratefulness thing, it's not just a gimmick. It's actually very scriptural and very biblical and, and, and very important for me to live a life, the life that God has for me. And, and I need to, to put some disciplines in. I need to put some, some disciplines of, of celebration, of, of how I change the story I'm telling myself. I need to change my attitude in some ways. But I, actually, I, I want to see us a strong church. We are a strong church, but I know we can be stronger. And I know that if we're going to be stronger, we need to learn how to celebrate together in our e-groups, at church on a Sunday, in a big environment, at Shout in Auckland. We need to learn at all those levels how to celebrate. Why don't you stand to your feet in this place? I actually, we're going to respond. We're going to respond in a, in a, in a fun way because we're talking about celebration. We're going to respond with a song of celebration. But before we do that, I just want to give an opportunity. If you're here this morning and this whole Jesus thing, getting excited about God and all these festivals, and it's all just a bit weird and you're not quite sure, that's okay. That's okay. I remember when I started going to, to youth group as a teenager and I, I was thinking, man, I don't understand a lot of this. I don't get a lot of this. But... And for a while, I just had to kind of observe. But there came a point in that journey that I realized, actually, the only way I'm going to know if Jesus is real is for me to respond to Him. It's for me to go, okay, Jesus, I, if you're real, come into my life. That's really the only way. You can sit on the edge and you can observe, but if you actually want to know God, you have to take a step of faith and say, yeah, Jesus, come into my life. And so I, we do this every week because this is the most important decision you'll make in your life. More important than who you marry and what school you go to and what job you have is, do you know Jesus? Because through Jesus, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. Through Jesus, you know God the Father. And that is the most important relationship we can have. So just with every eye closed, every head bowed this morning. If you're here this morning and you're like, yeah, you know what? I've come along and I'm not quite sure, but I'm going to take a step of faith. If that's you here this morning and you want to ask Jesus into your life, I tell you, you will not regret it. Just with every eye closed, this is just between you and God. I'll keep my eyes open because I want to catch up with you afterwards. But if there's anybody here who wants to make that decision, can you raise your hand? I'll see it. And you can put it down. Is there anybody here this morning that you want to put God to the test in that way? You want to say, Jesus, if you're real, come into my life. I'll give you a couple of moments. This is, this is an amazing decision. Anybody here? Okay, I'm not seeing any hands, so you can raise your eyes and look at me. Hey, what we're going to do now, church, uh, actually, let's make sure we get we, we invite our friends and our family into this space where they can meet with Jesus. 
Because like I said earlier, it's about being in the room. If they're not in the room, then they're not going to experience the God that we know. Yes, they can meet Him outside of here. I'm not so small-minded to think that. But there's something powerful in this place when we come together. And if we can get our friends and our family into the room, then they can meet God in this place. So let's encourage them to get into the room. But what we're going to do now is we're going to celebrate. We're going we're gonna to praise God. And not, we're not going to do it to that cheesy 70s celebrate song. Uh, we're going we're gonna to do it to a, to a song of praise. And I really believe that we're going to do it prophetically. If you're here this morning and you, you, you look down the front and you see the, the, the hard out people dancing around, you're like, whoa, that's a bit nuts. These guys are a bit, uh, a bit crazy for me. Can I just encourage you with Psalm 150 that says, I'll praise the Lord with dancing. Okay, there's your biblical backing. So you, you can understand that actually it's, it's scriptural. But more than that, I'm believing it will release something in you. It's a spirit of, of joy, of celebration that you want to have released in your life. If you want that, then I'll leave it up to you. But I, can I encourage you, take a step somehow, whether it's just doing a little, a bit more. Just, just do a bit more than you've done before. And God will meet you in that step of faith. Awesome. Okay, let's go.